Good evening and you're very welcome to a little bit later than planned uh, edition of the uh, Women's National League podcast or the LOA Women's podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie. My name is Breffley Early and once again I'm joined uh, in the co-host chair by Aaron Clark of the WNL show. Aaron you're very very welcome again. Good evening. Good evening. Looking, looking forward to it. Maybe one of these days I'll get to, I'll get the seat on the left hand side of the frame. That, that can be arranged <laughs> if you want. Uh, everything's flexible here. We've had that uh, discussion earlier in the, in the build up. Uh, we are a little bit later than we had planned to be, but that is fine. We wanted to make sure that the, the show was of the best quality. So, uh, unfortunately, we've had to be just a little bit delayed, but we will be bringing you all of the roundups of the weekends from last weekend. Some big games there. Uh, Shells left it late against that lone court put up a really impressive performance particularly in that first half against Shamrock Rovers we'll be chatting about all of the games from last weekend where did you happen to be Aaron? I went to I went to Bowes against Sligo um, just due to circumstances of timings it was the only game that suited my needs on the, or what, what was available to me on the Saturday for timing so ended up in daily mounts wasn't the greatest of games it was one of them that whoever scored first it looked as though would be the only team to score and both teams really cancelled each other out. Wasn't an awful lot of quality in terms of passes or in the final third. I think either side, either side would be well, both sides would be disappointed with their performance. Bowes, though, considering they took six points against the bottom two in the last two weeks, they'd be happy with that. But performance-wise, it, was, it wasn't great, and it was a difficult enough game to watch at times. Yeah, go United, of course, a 1-0 uh, win over 3-9. A lot of the games are similar, headed goals from set pieces, uh, all from corners. Lisa Murphy getting the winner for Bowes, Eve Dawson getting the winner for Galway United, and as I mentioned, at the very depth for uh, Shells, uh, it was, oh my God, Christy Gray. Gray. Exactly who it was. Uh, Christy Gray um, came up with the winner uh, just at the depth for Athlone as well. We'll talk a bit more, maybe about a penalty incident. Um was left out of the highlights. We'll talk about the highlights as well because the highlights packages uh, frustrate the hell out of me at the moment. Uh, it's just the goals, nothing else. There's no real highlights to them um, other than the goals. And I think we're missing out on an awful lot of action and a lot of discussion and, uh, and opportunities to do that. But uh, the other game we haven't quite mentioned yet is uh, Wexford Utes, their 2 0 victory in DLR Waves. Goals for Kira Rosser and Michaela Lawrence. And someone who uh, knows a little bit about what the mood is like in the camp in Wexford at the moment is our guest today. We're going to bring her straight into the conversation. And that, of course, is uh, Della Doherty. Della, you're very, very welcome to the show. Thanks a million for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. No, it's going to be a good one, I think, because you've got a, was a valuable insight this year, because unfortunately for you, um, you're probably unlikely to feature for Wexford this year. Do you want to tell us maybe a little bit about uh, how the last six or seven months has been for you since you picked up that injury at Piedmont last year? Um, I suppose it was just uh, at the first uh, kind of couple of weeks getting to grips with the injury and kind of understanding what the injury was and, and how long I was going to be out for and how to tackle it. And I think over the, the last three months after getting surgery, I kind of seen that path back to playing. So I think in a good headspace and obviously being in a club like Wexford, you can't ask for better support. So um, definitely it's always hard to be on the sideline, but I think having the attitude of kind of knowing you're going to get back and it's really helped now that I've actually this evening was my first training, training session on the grass. So that was very good for the head too. So I'm kind of looking forward to the, what the next couple of months have uh, in store. Talk to us a little bit about the injury itself, Della, because normally we see people injuries that they, they, they maybe tear the ACL or they do one thing, but you actually done quite a lot of damage to the, to the leg as well. Yeah, I did uh, multiple things. So I did my ACL and 
MCL and then uh, broke a few bones uh, in my leg uh, and my knee as well. So I suppose at the start, it wasn't a regular ACL. So it was kind of coming to the grips that it was kind of unknown territory for everybody. Uh, you kind of had to get MRIs and get things uh, like that done to see exactly where I was and what the kind of recovery looked for me. And I suppose having the girls who have done ACLs on, on Wexford before, it was a really big help. But I suppose I had that little bit of unknown territory of people who haven't experienced the full-blown injury that I've experienced. But that comes back to you look at other players who've experienced bad injuries and, and how they come back um, to play and things like that. So I think it was at the start, like I said, coming to the grips with injury and then kind of I'm very much a planner. So it was planning how to come back onto the field. And again, the support was massive around me. I don't think I would have got through the first few months uh, as well as I did alone. I was going to ask you about that moment in the first couple of months, but the first couple of days or weeks, like I, we watched, I suppose, in slight horror at the at you leaving the field and you looked very upset on TV at the time. Um, first of all, everybody who knew you was probably watching the game to some extent. Everyone knew the news maybe before you did that your, your season was out for this year. How do you, how do you cope with that from a mental point of view? Um. I suppose the first kind of couple of days was more shocked than anything, I think. And it was actually coming to the grips to what actually has happened and how easy it happened. Because it was, it was literally a split second. And it was like just understanding that injuries happen in soccer. And I think definitely the, the first couple of weeks, first couple of days were the most mentally uh, grueling. I still have bad days to come and I've had bad days before. But uh, I kind of take them first few few days as great learning. And when I kind of come into difficulties now, uh, I kind of think back to where I started and, and where I am now I suppose the first couple of weeks were the hardest because I kind of lost my independence as such I couldn't walk I couldn't do things for myself so I think that was the hardest thing to come to grips with at the start but it's kind of understanding now how far I've come and even to be stepping on the pitch is kind of uh, something to be very proud of myself for. I remember you yeah, deny the league decided the, the league the last round of the league games even just coming onto the pitch and how much of a struggle it was for you with the brace on the leg and with the crutches like when you look back, even you missed such a big game to finish off your season. You were you were flying at that stage. You were performing very well. Like what was what's that like? How do you how do you even process that? You know, yes, you're you're starting to get the news. Is that secondary, or are you already thinking recovery? What I need to do because you talk about the the, the damage you've done. Like how how long did it take before you actually knew what was what was actually done? Um. So. Fortunately for me, Wexford are such uh, a good club and they got that ball rolling really fast. So it wasn't like I was waiting around, not knowing what was happening. I kind of, I knew within the week um, what the kind of story was. Um, but to say how long it took me to process that was probably maybe two or three weeks after <laughs> by the time I actually processed it. And I suppose it was very disappointing walking into the dressing room against for our final game against Shelburne with everything it stands for. And they're the games you want to play, I suppose, as a player playing one of the top teams in the country. So. I think everything like that, it was trying to understand emotions. And I suppose as hard as it is uh, for Ellen to have done her ACL, I think having her support and for us to be able to lean on each other was massive. I was going to ask you about Ellen because obviously you're not the only person in the club who's out long term uh, of the start 11 every every week who, who's missed a, a lot of game time now. Um, have you had each other, like how has that worked for each other? Do you know each other or kind of are you friends off the pitch? Would you have yeah. Yeah, we definitely would. I suppose we came up through underage uh, together as well. So I think we have that bond uh, off the pitch as well as on the pitch. And I suppose it's really good for me to see she's that little bit ahead of me 
to see kind of what I have ahead of me and, and where I can get to. Um, and then obviously we can bounce off each other on the good days and the bad days as well. Do you lean on people like now, obviously she's back with the club, Rihanna Jarrett, Kira Rossiter, Adele Kennedy. Do you lean on these sort of players much? Because obviously they've been through the recovery stage as well. Because some say some parts, even for, although Ellen's a couple of weeks ahead of you, there's still unknowns for Ellen, there's still unknowns for yourself. Do you lean on them sort of players for a little bit of advice and comfort? Definitely. I think even before the injury, there are players that you would lean on as a young player uh, in the club. So definitely now that I've got the injury and they've, they've kind of experienced the mental, the physical, all that, kind of grueling stuff that comes with the injury it's they're definitely players that you have conversations with the easy ones and and the tough conversations yeah looking towards was this season i know you haven't been involved on the field but uh, i understand you've been involved heavily in the club kind of been at all the games and training sessions and stuff like that what's life been like for you as a an injured footballer at the moment um I suppose um, it's never easy to kind of watch people uh, step on the field um, when you want to be there yourself. But I think the only positive uh, I can kind of take from not being able to play is that you get to kind of watch the games and analyse the games. And I suppose I'll come back with a probably more football knowledge than I probably uh, ended the season with last year because I'll look at things maybe that you don't really get a time to look at when you're a player or when you watch back games yourself because you're kind of looking at yourself or looking maybe at players around you. So I suppose by watching games this season and analysing them from a different perspective, I'll probably come back with that little bit more football knowledge. What do you look for when you're looking at that sort of thing? Like, Because I know you've done a bit of coaching with the likes of the Leinster schools, you've been involved with stuff like that. So what do you look for when, you know, when you're, you're watching on, especially being, being injured? Um, I suppose uh, from a defender's point of view, it's kind of how our team versus the other kind of defensive team, how they play out, how they defend, how they manage stepping up and all them kind of things. And then you look to positions in front of you, like the midfield, how can you support the midfield? You kind of see um, when you take that step back away from it, when you're not in the middle of it and you're kind of not uh, kind of crucifying yourself as such, you kind of you can take yourself out of the situation and see how can you actually help the players in front of you and around you. Yeah, it's been a, an interesting while for you down in Wexford. What's the mood like this season? Like, how's the like? It started off fairly rough in terms of results, but you seem to have picked up a bit of form in the last few weeks with some really impressive victories. Uh, things good in the restaurant? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's like a as most people would say, it's like a family down there. If you ask any player, um, it's definitely in the dressing room. Uh, I I love to be in. I wouldn't wouldn't want to be in any other dressing room. Um, but the the mood is very good. I suppose we had a tough run of kind of results, but that's who Wexford are then to kind of pick pick ourselves up again and be able to go again. And I think now we've got our, the wheels rolling again. I think Saturday was a good show and, and we, we played well. We had good possession and, and then we got the goals as well, which I think obviously we've been struggling with a little bit to kind of break, to kind of get that just that final touch um, when it's needed. So I think that's kind of the wheels are rolling with that there now. So it's good to, to get a 2-0 win on, on Saturday. What was it like though when, like, because at the start of the season you obviously lose three games on the bounce, but it wasn't. If there's more to it in the fact that it was a real stop-start, play the game, game called off, international break, played another game, gap. What was that like? I suppose that kind of we we struggled with consistency then when we were kind of in and out and like no nothing's going to get you ready like a game, and I suppose it's hard to kind of prepare for that when you don't have a game in front of you. So I suppose we'll learn from that as well. And I think uh, in the latter stage of seasons, if we're to face that again, I think we'll we'll come and face it better than we we did at the start of the season. It's a shortened season this year, obviously a third of the way through already, where you have played less than everybody else around you. You can close that gap to the top of the table over the next couple of weeks. But 
I suppose, can Wexford get back into a position to challenge for the title or is that uh, maybe going to be a tall order given the start that she had? Um, look, football's a very um, fickle game and look, we, we got the results that didn't go our way and other teams will get results that won't go their way. Um, so I, I'd never say we're out of the title race. I'd always say we're fully in it. And look, if we get the, as we've got the reels rolling now, if we just keep getting results after results, um, that's all we can control at the moment. And other teams will lose uh, lose games. So you've seen um, people take points off uh, Treaty only losing 1-0 to, to Shelburne and, and games like that, where teams will come away with points where you wouldn't think they would. Graffney, if you think about this though, the game in hand that they have, say, on the likes of even Shells, they win the game in hand, they go level with they go level with Shells in third. They're only be four points off off top. But like if you look at that Shells game, Della, was that a real how would you say a real clutch moment for, for Wexford? Because you lose that if you lose that game, a lot of people are probably writing you off going into that game as a club because of the, the three games previous. Was that a big moment? That was a massive moment, especially in the manner that we won as well. I suppose a one nil win is always like a win is great, but a one nil win against Shelburne is it's always tough to come away with because the amount of pressure they put on the last 10-15 minutes so for the girls to grind that out uh, was really impressive and I think that'll, stood to us, that'll stand to us now as we go into the next couple of run of games We're seeing a lot of variation from last year maybe into the, the performances from different teams has anyone other than Wexford of course impressed you in, in what they brought to the table this year that maybe they might have had in previous years? Uh, I definitely think Treaty have impressed me they, uh, for them to come out and uh, challenge teams this season um, like they always would have gave you a challenge but I, I really feel that um, they've done really well in the first uh, few games they played the start of the season and they're really, they have a really good system and they're very well organised so when we come to play them in two weeks it'll definitely be a tough game Do you find yourself watching more football now that you're injured like watching other teams a lot more than maybe you would have previously? Um, yeah definitely I suppose I just came out of a run of exams there so it's kind of stuck in the books, but definitely now that I have the time, I'll definitely be more into kind of watching games. And, and like you said, we're not analysing our game as much, so I'll have more time to kind of look and watch other games as well. Obviously, from the Midlands, I don't know, I, I, my research didn't stretch this far. Are you one of the, the Carlo crew or, or what are you studying? Uh, no, so I'm in Trinity. I'm studying computer science. Yeah. Very impressive, very <laughs> impressive. Uh, how's, how's studying going? Obviously, you just finished exams. Uh, it went well, actually, but I'm definitely glad it's done now and I kind of focus on rehab and, and enjoy the summer a bit. How do you, how do you, you know, focus on, on your rehab in terms of, like, with the summer off, do you up your rehab or do you, how, you, know, cause you talk a lot about planning. So, like, what's the next couple of months in terms of the rehab for Daladardy? Um, I suppose I kind of, I kind of looking at the moment in kind of one-month blocks or two-month blocks. So, for the next kind of four weeks, I've, uh, pure strength training and it's kind of just getting me back to running at the moment that's the main aim at the moment so it's kind of short-term goals for like a long-term effect if that makes sense and uh, I think at the moment it's just getting the kind of gym sessions in especially on the days you don't want to or the days you're like I'll just do it tomorrow it's just it's making sure that okay no I need to do this today and just keep ticking over um, and like that kind of reaching out to the girls when it gets tough and stuff like that and having people around you yeah, it's, it's a tough call coming back from a, that kind of an injury. I did mention before uh, we came on air, I gave you a bit of warning that this was going to happen. I have a bit of a Jeopardy moment for you. I'm going to give you the answer to a, a question, and I want you to tell me what the question potentially could be. And I'll give you the context. Uh, I was at a Sligo Rovers game. Unfortunately, it was the game you got beaten in last year up in the showgrounds. You were the answer to the question. And Sligo Rovers related, 
and I'm wondering if you know what the question is. I'm not 100% sure, but my only kind of guess was who's the number four for Wexford? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. I'm sure that did happen, but that's not the one I'm talking about. It was actually uh, one player on the pitch had played in Sligo Rovers' first ever game in under-17 uh, league three or oh, four okay. years earlier. And it was you. You played for, obviously, Piemont at the time. So that was... Uh, and nobody got the answer there either. So oh. that was... Well, uh, uh, speaking of, you obviously came into the league at that under-17 grade, made a big impression that first year, 2018, if I'm not mistaken, um, yeah. with Piemont. It didn't quite seem to... Although you were getting game time, it didn't quite seem to be what you wanted... What inspired the decision to go to, to Wexford back in the day? Um, I suppose I was just kind of a young player and I think I was kind of maybe needed a change and needed a new environment that was kind of more suited to me. And I felt talking to Wexford, I think that was the, the environment for me. And I think it's proven that it's definitely an environment that I've, I've flourished in and an environment that I've enjoyed playing in. No regrets. No. <laughs> I have to ask. I have. I have to ask about Piedmont because when you come into the league, there was a lot of hype around you. Um, this new youngsters coming through Piedmont, a lot of people talking about you during the early days. You know when you were impressing in, in Piedmont, you were playing a bit of midfield as well. Did you read anything into that, or what? What were you thinking when you were, you know, when you come into the national league first as this young young kid? Um, to be honest, I didn't. I think I was just there to enjoy my football. <laughs> I think I'm kind of the same now these days. I think. Uh, just there to kind of go out and enjoy the football and I suppose the injury kind of puts that into perspective too that kind of go out and enjoy every game now once I'm back um, I enjoy every training session and everything like that What is the prognosis? When can we expect to see you back uh, filling a pair of boots or a jersey? We look at um, yeah, looking probably January probably pre-season next year and I think um, as, as it's such a severe injury I think it's better to take excess time needed than needed um you could probably push it and be back maybe for the end of the season but then you risk the chance of doing it doing it again so i think it's doing the rehab right and kind of coming in strong into pre-season and then flowing into next season then have you picked up any new hobbies when you had a little bit of time away from the game um i've actually uh and uh taken part in the uafc coaching uh course so i'm going to get some coaching badges while i'm not able to play on the pitch very very sensible well listen Della thanks so much for joining us I know it's a little bit later than we planned so thanks for accommodating us and the very best of luck in your recovery and obviously to everybody at Wexford uh, for uh, some challenges ahead uh, best definitely thanks a million mind yourself Della Doherty there um, you know I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised she mentioned the coaching badges at the very end of that because I got the impression from the conversation the way she was talking about what she was observing there's there's a coach in there somewhere, I think. Although yeah. not for a couple of years, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, but the thing is though, we're seeing more and more of them doing it doing even younger. So like listen, there's that there's ample opportunities in college, summer camps, get her get her skills out. There's, like, there's no harm in doing things like that. I think the one thing you will say, being in Trinity College, she's definitely got her head head switched on. And like when she talks about short term goals and stuff like that, there's no real there's no real aspiration to rush anything, like there's no real she doesn't. She doesn't care if it takes a little bit longer. And I, I like that from, especially considering the type of injury that she had. I think the way she, the way she come across that, it's it's take her time. It's there's no rush to everything. I, I you know, it's 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 a it's a it's a strong mind for a for a young for a youngster. And you know that really impressed me. But absolutely, we might as well start at her game then uh, on a little bit of the recap of last weekend. Uh, Wexford two 0 winners in DLR. 
reasonably comfortable, I think it's fair to say. Uh, I only got about half the game myself, but uh, your thoughts? Yeah, reasonably comfortable enough. Like, DLR defended well in periods, but I think better Wax's quality shone through a little bit. And in the, in the end, they ran out comfortable enough winners. When they, when they when they get the first goal, you always think they're going to get a second. And young Michaela Lawrence, it's great to see her on the score sheet. Kira Rossler continues to to run amok as Kira Rossler does. Uh, I think the one thing about Kira is that it's probably like a, many OXA players that we've never really seen her in the green of Ireland because I think on form on her day, it's probably nobody who can really not many who can stand up and match her. And from from a OXA point of view, it's good to get two wins on the bounce. The shells win, I think, was a real turning point and. If they can pick up another couple of wins, build that bit of momentum, continue to go, I think they'll drag themselves back into that title race because I think teams around them will drop points as, as they play each other. And if Wexford can get that couple of run of games going over the next couple of weeks, they could really close that gap. From a DLOA's point of view, it's back-to-back losses. It's 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 a difficult one going into the game they have this weekend. Then if you include the draw with Treaty before that, like it's it's been a tough season for DLR, but we were expecting that because of the, the, the ample changes that they've had. And I think... Graham Kelly's just trying to he's trying to solidify that squad. A couple of his, his more attacking players out injured as well doesn't help either. But a comfortable enough win for Wexford in the end. Yeah, I think uh, there's going to be some some big challenges ahead for all teams. I'm just looking at the league table here in front of me, and uh, and the amount of points dropped across the board by every team. Even Shamrock Rovers, who haven't been beaten yet, have still dropped six points in the table. So uh, there's plenty of opportunities there. I think over the next uh, ten or eleven games. Uh, for clubs to pass each other out and leapfrog each other. And uh, one club who did exactly that at the weekend was Galway. They had a good solid victory down there. Um, they would 1-0 winners over Tree United. Again, an improved Tree that we've seen in recent seasons. Uh, Eve Dawson with a first half strike just on the half hour mark. Uh, another header from a corner. Um, a bit lax from Treaty, but I suppose, again, we're seeing them make less and less of those kind of mistakes from uh, game to game. Yeah, but as Dallas said, for me, I agree with her. They're they're probably one of the most they're probably the most improved side and, and one that's impressed me this season. If this game had been last year, they probably lose this game four or five nil, and that mistake that that first half goal sort of drips into a second, a third, a fourth. Whereas we're not seeing that as much this year. We're seeing them okay. They they they, they concede. They get themselves back into their structures. They get themselves back into their step positions, and I I, I think that's probably the thing that I'm, I like about them is the fact that they're. They're being they're consistent in, in they're not they're not just dropping away they're not they're, they're playing for the ninety minutes they give like at times if you're defending a lot it, it can take a lot out of you but they're they've learned the harsh lessons from the the eight goals they shipped against that loan and the the six they they shipped against Shamrock Rovers like I think we spoke off air before the, the show if we take away them two results I think their goal difference is something like minus two for the rest of the games and like that's a massive massive difference and I think they've come on an awful lot under Alvin Heise from a Galway point of view second home win of the season. Momentum continues to build for Galway, and I think since that Shelburne game, they've they've just stepped on and notch and notch after notch after notch. Like Bowes and Wex, Bowes and Wex were the two teams to beat them at home. Other than that, they've they've been nearly paradise at home, apart from the draw to Shamrock Rovers. So it's another good result for Galway, and they look to just continue to build that bit of bit of form. But no fixture this weekend. Probably Phil Trill's probably not that happy that the gap at the break the break is coming, the bye week is coming at the wrong time for them. Yeah, but I think Galway are this year's version of what Athlone did last year. Uh, they got a couple of decent results and the confidence just started growing and the girls kind of growing into that. Um, Any humble pie gone? Uh, no, not yet. No. <laughs> I think I need a bit because I, I predicted they finished really low this season. And every oh, week they- 
I think we've already had that on the play a couple of weeks ago. I, I, think, I think I think I keep need to eat every time that yeah. they keep they keep going up. But like the big the biggest thing for me is is like the fact of the players that they they've lost a lot of players as well, and they're still pulling out these results, and they they're getting they're getting in the results constantly, and that's that's the biggest thing is that there you can see there's definitely a togetherness with them this year, which is which is really important. Can this sustain a, a title challenge? That remains to be seen, but I, I wouldn't write them off. I think they're going to be there, thereabouts, and they're going to be competitive in every fixture they play. So uh, exciting times ahead for everybody at M&DC Park. I think the, it's shown how good that integration has worked, and obviously the, the powers that be in Galway have really bought into that. We're seeing maybe better from them than we're maybe seeing from some of the other clubs in a similar situation uh, in terms of being part of the men's club. One of those, Cork City, a very impressive first half at the weekend. Nil-nil at halftime against Shamrock Rovers. But I suppose, as would be expected, uh, Shamrock Rovers just kind of opened up in the second half and and really pulled Cork apart at ease into the closing stages of, of that game. They really did a number on them in the last few minutes, though. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have expected the floodgates to open that sort of way, especially when they get into the break at halftime. You think, OK, reorganise, let's just go again. And then the Shamrock Rovers come out two minutes into the second half. Jamie Thompson hits the, hits the back of the net, and then you're sort of thinking, "Oh no!" But like I think, in fairness to in fairness to them, like Cork, they sort of held on for a little bit, and then like the last four, go- the last three goals came in the last ten minutes. Like, and that's probably the most disappointing thing from Danny Murphy's point of view. Is the yes, if you lose that game two 0 you're probably like, "Okay, yeah, first half great build on it." But then when three goals come at the end, you're sort of thinking it takes the gloss off that real good first half performance and. Is it a case that Cork just couldn't sustain the ro- the Rovers, the, the the wills that much that they, they relented? Probably yes, and for them it'll be extremely disappointing. But for Shamrock Rovers, it just shows that they continue to go, um, they continue to go all the way, and you know they continue to to push until the very end. At times they held on against PMO for that draw. Amanda Budden pulled them out of pulled them out of wall with the penalty save, but like it, it was a real good bounce back for them. And I think for Shamrock Rovers, like. It just shows when they when they click, they can really score a lot of goals. Yeah, absolutely. Now you, I mentioned at the top of the show, you were in Daily Mount for the the clash of uh, Bose and Sligo. I watched a bit of it. To be honest, I found it very difficult to watch. Um, probably not the best game of football. Is that fair to say? No, it wasn't. It wasn't the best game of football. To be on, to be honest with you, there wasn't a lot of clear cut chance. I think Bonnie McKiernan in the Athlone and the Sligo goal was was very good in the first half in particular. Quick off her line at times and read the situations very well. I thought she was one of their one of their one of their better players, but there wasn't really many clear cut chance. When Bowes got through on goal, Kira Bates Crosby an extra touch gives the keeper an opportunity to come and smother it when when they were getting wide. They just couldn't really do anything in the final third. From a Sligo point of view, they really struggled to get Emma Darty and Casey Howe into the into the game. And it was one of these that both sides making a lot of mistakes. When when the goal comes, it's a, it's a lovely delivery from Rachel Rachel Doyle and Lisa Murphy right in her head. Two weeks in a row, she scored a header for them and a vital header for them at that. And like for both, it's 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 six points against the, the bottom two sides in the last two weeks. They'll, they'll walk away saying thank you very much. But performance wasn't great from both. And I think from a Slugger Rovers point of view, it's hard to see it change. It's hard to see the monotony change. And when you're well, when you're on such a, a bad rut, it's it's difficult then to turn around. I think this week game, this week's games, is probably their 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 title seat, their their biggest game of the season with the with the with the trip with the trip to Cork and like it's hard to see how they're going to turn it around. For the league's point of view, you, you'd like to see them getting something out of the game, but like at spells they looked they looked like they were they were okay, but it wasn't for for sustained long periods either, which is probably the most disappointing thing. 
Yeah, no, it's it's been a rough a time for for the club. I think um, I think they're going to struggle at the weekend as well. Um, again, could be serving himself up some humble pie next week, but um, they really need a result in Cork, I think, to rescue what could turn out to be a, a really tough season for the club. But the it's, thing is, the thing is, Cork need the result as much as Sligo need the result. That's the funny thing, and the way the league table, the way the league is going, and like it's going to be a case of hunger. I think that's the biggest thing that's going to come down to. I think. Some of Sligo's big players, some of Sligo's bigger experienced players are going to need to stand up and and really put in a massive shift if they are to to get something out of this game. And like, it's it, it, the, the the question is, how do you turn that 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 monotony? Yes, it was only one they lost. It was it's better than what they've had in recent weeks. But how do you turn it into a draw or a win? That's the big question. And there'll be a lot of soul searching this week, I think, within Sligo to see how they, how they turn that around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of the final game, I happened to be in Athlone uh, almost by accident, but I uh, was delighted to be there. It was a, a really entertaining game of football. Not a lot of quality on show for large periods, but it really burst into life in the last uh, 10 or 15 minutes. Either side could have won it, but it was Shells and Christy Gray who got that uh, little touch on a header at the back post from uh, Alex Kavanagh corner that uh, gave Shells all three points. And Shells needed that pick me up as much as anybody else has required it over the last few weeks too. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think the the Wexford result, they were probably thinking, okay, we're going down there, we get we get three points, we continue. Them. Whereas if they'd lost that game against Athlone, you're sort of thinking, okay, they're going to dip back into it. Athlone, obviously, they'll be extremely disappointed. I know you want to chat about the the, the, the penalty call at towards the end and like take away that and take away the header. Like as you say, it, it broke into life late on. Like from Athlone's point of view, they'd have been probably they'd have probably been happy enough to take a point, and especially the way the game was going and walk away. And when Shell score late on, they'd be disappointed. But from from an old King point of view, I think for the run of games that they've got coming, the run of games that they've got coming up, that they need big results. I think that was an important three points, and it's not always going to be pretty. But I think for Noel, he'll just be happy to walk away with the three points. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, interesting times for everybody down there. Let's hear from some of the, the players uh, and the coaches of that game. After I caught up with uh, a few people at that match. So let's hear from Tommy Hewitt. Your thoughts after that uh, tight game, but unfortunately for you, uh, just sealed at the end there by uh, Christy Gray's goal. Yeah, look, we was kind of feeling that way on the bench. We were actually saying, I think they'll get one chance and they'll score because we didn't really capitalise in the first half the amount of possession we had and good chances. Second half, we really didn't create any really good goal-scoring opportunities. But I still felt we were, I'm not going to say the better team, but we definitely were matching them, you know, stride for stride. But uh, yeah, look, that's a sucker punch at the end there. But uh, fair play to Shelburne. Bit of a game of four seasons. They started off in a bit of a, a horror show in terms of the weather, but uh, it got nice towards the second half. But how much does the do the conditions come into the game preparation? Yeah, you know, you, you know yourself as being involved for a long time. You, you try and you try and you know look at the weather and see is it going to be raining, but you're at low and you're like you don't know what's going to happen, Ireland. So um, no, I don't really think it affected the teams, you know, anyway at all. But um, no, look, we try and plan for it, but. You know, best laid plans and all that. In terms of the actual game today, uh, you had your opportunities. Chloe Singleton had one where if she'd been a little less honest and gone down, she'd have got a penalty, uh, hits the post when she does stay on her feet. How does, like, what's the thoughts looking back at some of those opportunities that were wasted, I suppose? Yeah, look, to be honest, yeah, you're right with Chloe there. Yeah, if she goes down, she's penalty. Probably a little bit too honest and uh, she probably said that herself, but, you know, 
when you're in big games like that, and this is a big game because Shelburne are double champions, they're, league, they're cup champions. They're coming to us who had a good season last year and I've been on a decent run. We put three together. And then you're asking referees to get the big calls right. And, and, and in fairness, he didn't get it right tonight. They took the easy option out, give me the yellow card because I asked the question. Um, I think the standard referee needs to be upped. That's my, I, I know there's calls all from the men's side of it, but it, definitely the women's side of it as well. I, I just think, you know, for big games, we deserve big referees. You're talking specifically about an incident just after they took the lead. Um, innocuous ball over the top. Keeper's dealing with it. Keeper Keenan, as is her right, goes to protect yeah, the player. Absolutely. And then, for whatever reason, she ends up on the ground. Yeah, uh, what was she, your thoughts on it? Straight away, she threw her out of the way. I understand you can get your body in front, you know, get your body in front of the player, protect the player. But she actually threw her on the ground. Now, to me, that's a penalty. Anywhere else on the pitch, that's a free kick. So the referee has to get that call right. And then you have, a, you have an assistant referee 10 yards away from it. And she doesn't give it. So, you know, I'm a bit aggrieved about that. And I think there are things that should be looked at. Like, there's no, there's no redress for them. It's, it's all down on me. You know, managers, managers lose jobs because of decisions like this. And I'm not saying they're perfect. Referees are not perfect. But, like, they got to get them big calls right. they got to get them right. What's next for yourselves? Yeah, we play Shell, or Shamrock Rovers here next week. We'll, we'll lots of positives out tonight. I don't want to be negative. Lots, lots of positives, you know, to, to pin Shelburne back for 30, 35 minutes in the f first half. Not a lot of teams do that. I know they were missing Pearl and... Uh, Jesse as well, but I think that could have galvanised them as well. You know that can happen as well. But for ourselves, we just we regroup, we get back training Monday night, and we look forward to Shamrock Rovers here next week. That's a hard luck today, but a good performance nonetheless. Thanks very much, Pat. Thanks. <coughs> Tommy Hewitt, there. Uh, very honest. Very honest. Sorry, you should continue a bit. Uh, very honest about um, about the situation about that particular incident. And you're, you're right. I would like to. Maybe take a quick look at that if you want. If you want to spend a bit of minute, a minute or two, yeah. it was the yeah. most thing I've ever seen on a football pitch. Uh, just to put the context, shells have scored. We're about thirty seconds on from that, and obviously the the game speaks for itself in terms of these two. Obviously, you have a a bit of recent rivalry, um, but this is the the situation. We're just going to play about uh, fifteen seconds of the game. We might watch it through twice because they do play it uh, replay as well. So uh, let's just jump straight in and have a look at the game. There's a lot of pressure there, but the keeper's going to get there first. Hey, that's a foul. Hey. That's an I've never foul. seen anything like that yeah. before. She just blatantly, the ball was already in the, look at her. As Nyla recovers on the other, she's not even looking at it. Ah, that is ridiculous. I watched it over here on the replay. So uh, you can see yourself, it's uh, a strange one. Uh, you had only seen that maybe for the first time this evening. Your thoughts on Aaron? The first thing by Ke by Kiva is fine, where she sort of backs into her to stop her to getting near. That's fine, but like when she the second movement is is not great. It it doesn't it doesn't look great. And as Tommy said, I agree with him. If that's anywhere else in the pitch, that's a free kick. Yeah. So 100%. if you if if you're, if you're saying anywhere else in the pitch, that's a free kick, then it's a, it's a penalty. Um, yeah. I think Kiva got a bit a little bit lucky. Um moment probably a moment of madness from, from Kiva as such the, the second play. I think what she does in the first the first initial effort to shield the ball from and to, to, to make sure Courtney Maguire could pick up the ball is, is great defending. But the second little second little bite of the cherry was uh for me it's a moment of madness. Um is there a little bit of fault at Courtney Maguire's feet, basically because 
the ball comes in, just pick the thing up and get move move on with play. I know you want to kill the clock, but like Roshi Malloy is literally three or four meters away from me. Corny has a habit of doing this sort of thing of waiting to try and pick the ball up. I remember watching her in goal for, for Bowes against Galway in the Oscar trainer a couple of years ago, where she tried to do something similar to a, a Galway player, and the Galway player nicked the ball at her before she even got her hands and went in and scored. So has a bit of a tendency to do that. I think from that situation, listen, if you want to if you want to be if you want to be smart in that situation, pick the ball up, just run to the other side of the box or something, waste a couple of same, same couple of seconds when the player's in the box. So there's no there's no need to take a risk in that situation. Just pick the ball up and even if you're on a run to the box, waste a couple of seconds and and then just clear at the last second before the referee started starts getting on your case. But it was a strange one not to pick it up and start she started put Kiva in a in a bad position as well there. Yeah, I think so. Uh, of course, the game was decided not by that incident, but by uh, 30 seconds or 60 seconds earlier, uh, Christy Gray putting the ball in the back of Athlone's net. So I also caught up with Christy just at the final whistle of the game on Saturday. Christy Gray, um, nice way to finish the game. Uh, goal, only goal of the game, three points. Got to be happy with the win. Yeah, no, obviously a different result last time we were at the field. So it was awesome to come away with three points and do anything to, to help our team Yeah, get those three points. I think it was a good team performance overall. Um, and the girls were buzzing after. And yeah, we just keep it going from here. But it was a great team performance overall. And we'll just carry it into the next weekend. So. How are you enjoying the uh, the season so far? How's life in Ireland treating you? Oh, I really like Ireland. I think um, a lot of us like who have maybe played in other places are grateful. Like English is the first language. The girls are so friendly like we have a really good group I think it's really special I mean we'll say it week in week out like the squad is really really deep so we have really good training sessions um and I think it just sort of anyone can come in at any point and make their mark and do what they can so I think that's a special part about this group we all get on really really well so in terms of today's game uh, it wasn't looking like it was going to happen for you today it was a bit uh, nip and tuck on both ends and it could have really gone either way but it was your header late on the last couple of minutes that sealed the win um what's it like to kind of contribute that to the team um, honestly, I just want to do what I can to help us get three points. And if that means putting my head on it, sliding to, to get to the back post, do whatever I can. I mean, Alex put a really good ball into the box. She consistently puts in good service all the time. Um, so I'm just happy to be able to put it away. In terms of, I suppose, the differences between what you're used to maybe back in uh, the other... I know, I wasn't going to say America. Well, on the <laughs> other side of the Atlantic is what yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. Um, obviously, from Vancouver, went to college also in Canada, near yeah. Toronto. Um What's the facilities like? What's the setup like? Are you surprised or impressed or a bit underwhelmed by the um, facilities? No, I think it's different everywhere you go. And obviously, like, we, this is the first year the league is professional. And I think it's really an exciting part to be a part of football in Ireland. Obviously, the first time the national team is qualifying for the World Cup. Like, there's a ton of really exciting momentum around the league, around our team. Um, I think facilities, it's sort of hard to compare. I mean, like, throughout Canada, there's schools of different sizes as well like Queens has beautiful facilities our football team is quite good which helps with stadium and that type of thing um, so I think it's hard to compare college to like being over here but I think overall like we have a really great staff um, a much bigger staff than we did at college so super grateful for that and everyone's really involved. What's the plan? I know it's a bit early in the season to be looking forward but is yeah. this a, a one season wonder will you be here next year are you looking kind of to stay in the league is that the plan? You know what? I'm open to everything. I think for me, I'm just really trying to focus on the present moment. And today was winning this game, getting three points, do what I can to score. And like for me, I'm just focused on next weekend and this season. I think it's hard to think too far ahead. Obviously, I get on with the girls really well and I really am happy here. Um, so, I mean, I'm happy to stay if I can keep.
performing. That's always the goal. But I think just for me, focusing on the present and for us, that's next game against Yale at home. Very diplomatic answer. I like it. <laughs> uh, Chrissy, congratulations today. Great header, great goal. Uh, good win in the end as well. Uh, congratulations. Thank you so much. <laughs> I argue with a lot Chris, of Chrissy there, jumped straight into another video on YouTube. I'll stop doing that again. Um, but uh, how happy was she? She just looked like full of, just so bubbly and so delighted with just uh, getting the winner and getting the win and, and being part of the, being part of the league, part of the team. I know a lot of people, a lot of people within the club actually rave quite a lot about her. Um, they, they talk to her. I'm surprised she hasn't had more chances than she's actually had, Brefney, to be honest with you, this season. But I think... The fact of the way them players who've come in from from North America have made uh, made a big difference for them. Kayla Hamrick at times has been very good for them. Real day on, on the wing has been good. I think Maggie Pierce has probably been the best of the lot for at the at the minute. But like I think they've made a good they've made a good impact. I think the way she, the way she speaks she speaks she speaks quite well as well. And I love the fact that when you ask her about things and she's just talking about being in the present moment and then she switches up next week it's just the LR. You know I love that. I think it's just the attitude is just. It's not about the future. It's not about what's coming down the line. It's about what's happening. What's happening now, and what's what's about to happen next. I like that. I think um, I'd like to see her get a bit more of an opportunity for shells because I think she can definitely add an awful lot to to that team. Yeah, let's take a quick look at the Premier League table. We'll jump over to our website for a moment just to see how it looks at the moment for the women's Premier Division in the League of Ireland. Piedmont top of the table alongside Galway United, although Galway do have that one extra game played. 19 points, uh, both a little bit off. They've dropped points across the board, as we've mentioned a few times. Shamrock Rovers, uh, they one point further back on 18, still unbeaten. The only unbeaten record in the league just at the moment. Shells, uh, after that win, 16 points, brings them up to fourth place. Uh, Bowes, they had a win as well. They're up to 50, or fifth place with 15 points. Athlone on 13, Wexford on 12, uh, but they do have a game or two in hand on nearly everybody else in the league. DLR, uh, disappointing for them. They lost 2-0. They sit in eighth place, while Treaty, as we've mentioned, and Cork and Sligo Rovers at the uh, bottom of the table as it stands at the moment. Um, anything in that, Aaron, in terms of uh, who you're surprised by? For me, I think Galway, it's the, the story of the season so far. Yeah, Galway probably surprised. I think Shamrock Rovers probably considering, I thought, well, I think... We expect them to be right up there because of the investment that they had. They sort of put some people, if you talk to Roberts fans, they sort of tried to put a damper on and 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 to, to reduce the expectations. I think if you're if you're Collie O'Neill, you have to be very happy with where you are after after the first eight games. I think they've showed glimpses of what they're capable of doing. I think you're right, Galway has been a really, really good this season. But for me, as, as I'm, I'm gonna agree with Della, for me, the 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 one team is, is Treaty United at the minute, the way they've been performing, I think it's been brilliant. And I think I expect to see them get more results. The fact that they lost one nil to Wex, one nil to Galway, they've lost one nil to Shells. They've two big games coming up, massive, massive games coming up. And if they could put in another two great performances in these two games, they may not pick up any points in the two games, but it'll really show that the progress they've the progress they've made. And I think this is where we'll really see how much they've stepped on in the next uh, in the next two weeks, but probably the surprise package is Galway. I think Wexford probably not where we would have expected them, but I think consistency's probably killed Wexford. Like you look at they played two games, then the, the court game was called off. They're a massive gap because of the international, the, the massive gap then they, because of the boy week as well. Then they played the midweek game, then they another gap again, and so they haven't really got going. And now that they've they've started to get a bit of bit of run going, I suspect to see more consistency from them, but. I think P-Mount, P-Mount top of the table, I'm not surprised having watched them a couple of times. 
they do have that kind of uh, experience within the ranks. But speaking of uh, Shamrock Rovers and the investment they made, realistically, anything less than a league title for Shamrock Rovers, given the investment that's been made and the players they've recruited, I think I know that it's their first season back in the league, but anything less than a league title really is uh, is a poor season for Shamrock Rovers, surely. I don't know. I don't know about that. From our point of view, yes. From my yours, people looking in on the outside, yes. But like when I ca- I chat to Collie after the Shamrock Rover, after the the P's won up, then the, the draw with P Man didn't allow draw, and I started started asked that was asking this sort of question, and Collie just kept pushing me back to it's one game at a time. We don't we're not thinking that far ahead. We're thinking about where we've come to, what we're building, and what we're trying to do. So I don't think from within the Shamrock Rovers team that if they don't win this in the win the league this year, they'll be too disappointed. I think realistically, if they finish in the top three for them, I think based off everything we're hearing that they'll be extremely happy and then they'll be looking to build upon that next year. Like you have to think the amount of players in that Shamrock Rovers team, especially the younger players who don't have an awful lot of women's national uh, women's primary division experience even. And then you're looking at even like the likes of Abby Larkin, like Abby Larkin's probably played less than 30 games in, in at senior football. Jess Hennessy's probably a little bit, out, a little bit over that. Like there's players who haven't played an awful lot of senior football either who are coming into Shamrock Rovers. They've tried to invest an awful lot in youth. Yes, they brought in Stephanie Zambra and Anya Gorman for real experience. But apart from that and Amanda Budden, the rest is a lot of really, really young side. And I think that's what they're looking at. They're, they're trying to clear, obviously clear the, the injury fronts of Anna McCarthy back now. Maria Reynolds is still, still a bit way off. And like this player, so I think from, from their point of view, they'd be extremely happy where they are. And I, I'd say, Colin O'Neill, he, he might say, he might say, say it that, like if they finish, I think if they finish second, they'd, he'd class it as a really good season and a good cup run. Whereas I think their real aim for the league is definitely going to be next year. But if they win it this year, it'll be a massive bonus. It's funny. Uh, you said you don't think Abby Larkin's played more than uh, 30 games. I've just had a little bit of a check uh, on our website and uh, it's actually considerably more than that. She's 36 league games, four FAI Women's Cup games and uh, two games in the Champions League for Shells. Uh, so... But it's not an awful lot, but it's not an awful. It's not an awful lot of minutes, especially especially for somebody who's who's so who's so young. Like you know, it's, a, you, it's, it's it's not a lot of minutes for the for the amount of games she's played. A lot of those are substitute appearances. A lot of them are substitute and things like that. But if I rephrase it, she hasn't got a lot of league starts. Probably yeah. the best way. But like you know, and I think player player, it's going to take time for them to really gel into the college system as well. Like we're seeing, I think I think really I. They probably didn't expect to be unbeaten at this stage, and that's being totally honest. They probably expected to have a bit of a tougher start of the season than they had. I think the Shell's performance should they showed a lot of glimpses of what they were capable at times. Like you look at the female game in particular, I think that was probably the real first opportunity that we've seen where Jamie Thompson was marked out of a game and she was she was very ineffective and you could see how frustrated and and a sort of the sort of look she was cutting and Collie ended up substituting her in that game was that's the sort of game that they're going to have to learn. The younger players are going to have to learn to, you're going to get, you're going to have to take your, your licks and your wounds at times because I thought Chloe Maloney and Jetta Barrel put her under extreme pressure. And like, they're still building. I think the second half of the season, we'll see an awful lot better from Shamrock Rovers where it may be enough for them to win the league. But I'd say for them, expectation to win it in the first season, it's probably coming from people like us and people talking about the investment more than within the group. 
Yeah. Speaking of Shamrock Rovers and what's coming next, it is of course that trip to Athlone that Tommy mentioned in that interview. Uh, some exciting games this weekend. Shells host DLR, Cork City. They take on Sligo Rovers, as we mentioned. It's a big game for both clubs. Uh, Treaty have uh, the daunting enough task of uh, dealing with Piedmont United, but I think they've shown that they're able for anything this season that gets thrown at them. Wexford Youths and Bowes in action down at Ferry Carrick Park. Uh, while at loan host Shamrock Rovers, as we mentioned, which game catches your eye? Are you likely to be at a game yourself? I'll be at I'll be at Shells Dale. I'll be at Shells Dale or Saturday. Um, going to another sport in the in the evening time, so I'll get to that. I probably won't see much live. I'll watch I'll watch bits. I'll watch bits and back. But the game that catches me is definitely at loan and Shamrock Rovers. I think that's another test. At Shamrock Rovers going down the plane that Astro pitch as well. I, I'm I'm intrigued to see what way this one goes. There's no doubt that. Tommy will have the Athlone girls well and truly roiled up and ready to go because of what happened last week the, with the defeat. But for Shamrock Rovers, like if they get another three point, another three points there, it's just going to continue to build that bit of momentum and build that build that form. I think the one game for me, I'm, 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 I'll keep an intrigued eye on. Well, there'll be a couple, but the one I'll keep an intrigued eye on is, is Wexford against Bowes. It's the one, it's the one club, and I take Shamrock Rovers out of this because they're only in the, se- the league back in the league this season. That Bowes haven't taken points off since they've come into the league. Wexford's the only one left that they haven't got a point off. They've lost every game. Not sure this week will be the this week will, will be the time that they, they will turn that around. But like as you say, I think Treaty will put in a good performance. And I think if they if they come out maybe a two and a loss, I think that'll be a success that'll be a good performance against against P Mount. But like I know from it from the neutrals, a lot of people will probably be talking about Atlanta Sligo and Cork just because of the fact of the way the seasons have gone. If it's a draw, it's probably not a benefit to either side. A win to either side could could have a massive impact on their season, and I think that's the sort of game that we'd be looking and hoping a result comes out of. Yeah, I think for me, uh, across all five games, there's a kind of a narrative that you can paint through all of them in terms of shells and DLR. There's a couple of girls on either side who want to have points to prove on that. On that, I didn't side. even, I didn't even, I, did, I didn't even think to mention to even consider that. Considering you've got the couple of players who have gone from 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 the opposite way, and like if even you look at the DLR team, several of the DLR team probably played for shells once once in a, once in a time as well, and that's the way the the league has shells, and it's something that maybe. We've talked a lot about off air, and like I think Shells deserve a, a good bit of credit for this because you look at the amount of players around the league who've probably come who've come through Shells academies and stuff like that. Whereas there's an awful lot at one stage. I think last year I think there was there was ten or eleven DLR players who'd who'd been with Shells at underage at, at one stage. So like I think the academy of Shelburne do, is doing quite well, and I think it's it's definitely an interesting narrative that you know a lot of people talk about, especially when Shells play other clubs. How many? Previous Shells players, but yeah, the the couple got the couple that are playing DLR for the first time. That someone else may have a point to prove, having really not had as much game time as they probably would have liked this season. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that all pans out. Uh, I think though you're you're dead right. Athlone and uh, Shamrock Rovers is probably the the game of the weekend in terms of, of of what we can expect to see over the the next couple of weeks. Uh, just to sum up, we might as touch just briefly the the World Cup was in town. Uh, you got a chance to did you get your Chance to get a hands on the cup? No, I, did, I didn't even. I didn't even go to. I. I, oh. I decided. I decided not to take the day off. Not to take time off work, but just because uh, things have been hectic in the last couple of weeks. I'm trying to save the holidays for for going for going to Australia in a couple of weeks. In, in a couple of weeks. So Andy, Andy went in for ourselves. Got it. But the only thing is, the supposedly the only people who are allowed to touch that trophy is if you're a previous winner or you're a heads of state. So they had it in a glass box. Like great to see Olivia O'Toole sort of being 
wheeled out and given a, a bit a bit more exposure every every time you see because it's a, she's an Irish icon and top top goal scorer ever for the for the women's side and it's great to see her getting that little bit of a, a push in the media as well and like loads of kids there great to see that it was in the mansion house as well like it's been a positive as even Chris Christy Gray said it's like it's been it's everything in the women's front has been a positive the, the new Nations League draw obviously happening happening last week as well a trip up north I'm hoping the games in Windsor Park against Northern Ireland um just to see because I think that'll be a great one and I think you know everything everything is bubbling new season tickets launch for the women only first time ever I think there's a lot of, a lot of good things happening at the minute and I think hopefully the women's national league can sort of catapult off the back of it and, and get a get a boost off the back of it yeah, talk to us about the Nations League because obviously a couple of interesting trips, Albania's in there, Hungary in there and uh, of course that lovely little clash with the North. We don't get to play them enough. Uh, I know they qualified for the European Championships, we didn't quite make it. We're now going to the World Cup. So both teams could argue that are on the up. Um, we're traditionally a bit stronger than them but that is not necessarily what might happen next time we face them in, in that Nations Cup later in the year yeah it's a, it's a strange it's a strange one in that sense because like we were we were a good bit ahead of them and then the Northern obviously put in a lot of investment like you look when they what they've done for the Euros all the home based players were put on professional contracts for six months they had a, a dressing room built over the far side and Crusaders club where they'd all decked out and stuff like that and like they they really did put a lot of investment. It'd be interesting to see how where where we are matched up compared to them. Like the Nations League is a, is it's it's a strange one because we're in Group B, we're in League B, the second division of it. We if we top the group, we 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 get promoted to the to the top tier. But the, the thing about the top tier is then you could be playing big teams, big teams constantly. It's it's a it's a strange one. Like some 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 nice trips. I think um, a trip to Hungary will obviously be nice. That'll probably be a difficult away away task as well, but. Like going to Albania is probably the one you probably something like that you probably would have liked to avoid. It's it's not a it's not a great place to to, to travel to get to either. So, but like it's 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 a mad one because the, the the group games will happen, the six games will happen between September and the first or second week in December. So it'll come around quite quickly, and then the the the, Euro, the European Championships will obviously start in the in the in the second half of the new year because like even if Ireland were say. To make it to the semi-finals of the nation league, nation league by winning their group, they then have to play games in in in, in February again. So it's it's one of these that's going to add an awful lot more fixtures. If you're an Irish fan, the only good thing I'll say is you'll get you'll get more games at home. That's the only thing we don't play enough games in Ireland. That's the biggest call criticism that I'd have of the FAI at the minute is that a lot of games seem to be away from home constantly. So we've only got we've got obviously got the two pre World Cup games coming up. But other than that, like we haven't really played at home since we've qualified for the World Cup. So at least this will give the fans an opportunity to come out and watch the girls. Absolutely. Well, listen, that's all we have time for this week. Thanks to those of you who stuck around a little bit later than normal to uh, to hear what we had to say and also to uh, listen to what Della Doherty had to say on her rehab back after a horrific injury at the tail end of last season. To Aaron for joining me once again. Uh, pleasure to have you as always. Um, I've been here. I'll be back with you again next week for uh, another exciting look at around all the things happening in the Women's League of Ireland. From us this week, that's it. We'll talk to you again so shortly. <laughs>